Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. SCP 4840. The Demon Lancelot and the Flying City of Autopapadopolis. The SCP universe is massive. Not only in size, of course, but also in scope. There are thousands and thousands of cataloged anomalies with countless more waiting to be found, or only mentioned in myths. Things we refer to as anomalous inevitably interact with one another, and some civilizations we've looked at already could be considered entirely anomalous themselves. SCP-4840 contains a story about the ancient past and includes mentions of a large number of SCPs we're familiar with. It's also a bit of a follow-up to SCP-4812, Wrath, which I've covered previously. I'll do my best to provide some short explanations or references as we go, but viewing previous videos in this series will likely help out a lot. SCP-4840 itself is an ancient, abandoned, floating city located roughly 8 kilometers above an empty region in the Russian Arctic. The city is around 5.5 kilometers in diameter, and while the architecture of the city suggests that it predates any known civilization, it was clearly constructed using advanced techniques and materials for the time, such as gas lamps. The city also bears markings that seem to be a long-dead human language, a precursor to ancient Greek and other Mediterranean languages, not found anywhere else in the world. Foundation linguists that have deciphered the language have determined that the city was once called Autopapadopoulos, roughly translating to City of the First Father, and over 100,000 people once lived here. There is no evidence that a single event led to its decline, but rather that the population simply left over an extended period after the loss of its first and only leader. The city is divided into four quadrants, all connected by a large central hub. These quadrants were populated based on craft, with blacksmiths and metallurgists in one, engineers and designers in another, farmers and bakers in the third, and artisans and craftsmen in the last. Each quadrant also possessed its own local center of governance, located near the central hub. The central hub contains three large stone temples, designated the Temple of Sunrise, Temple of Sunset, and Temple of Night, with a larger, ornately designed Great Hall that was likely used as the seat of the city's power. Underneath this Great Hall is a large stone door, completely inaccessible to Foundation personnel. The door can be opened, but individuals who attempt to pass through feel a building tension that overcomes their bodies, describing it as an increasingly uncomfortable feeling of guilt and regret, often accompanied by panic and anxiety, capable of incapacitating anyone who presses on. 
Prior to 1933, the city was hidden from view and human perception by unknown anomalous means, but since then it has been rendered visible to the naked eye and to radar equipment. Obviously, that's no good for the foundation, so they've installed scrambling devices and cloud cover generators, as well as physically moved the city to its current remote location to help conceal it. The city of Autopapadopolis is completely abandoned, aside from two entities, SCP-4840-A and 4840-B. A is an elderly male human of nondescript build and uncertain ethnicity. Genetic testing has revealed likely Mesopotamian ancestry, but his genetic markers have no apparent pre-ancestral linkage, suggesting that either he's some sort of alien or he is a genetic precursor to intelligent humans on Earth. He speaks numerous languages, including modern ones, is capable of controlling the general movement of the floating city, and has some degree of limited local omniscience. He is capable of describing events taking place far away that he would otherwise have no knowledge of, although he can't describe specifics or individuals involved in these events. Finally, he is the only individual capable of passing through the stone door underneath the Great Hall, an area he refers to as the Old Library. The other entity, B, is a massive, vaguely humanoid figure that is currently lying unmoving in the ruins of the Temple of Sunset. It possesses a human torso ending in six legs, with six severely distended arms each ending in a rough metal clasp affixed to a chain connecting to a large iron flail at its end. It is roughly 13 meters in height, but is only visible using thermal lenses. A says that the entity is dead, but it continues to output a constant, unchanging amount of heat. It also bears markings consistent with those found on SCP-2254, which appear to be some kind of sign or sigil. The sigil is similar to those found in other pre-antediluvian sites, specifically those concerning a redacted SCP, the Royal House of Apollyon. Here we have our first major reference, a connection to SCP-4812 and SCP-2254. To recap, in 4812 we heard about the Sky Kings of Old Europe, the leaders of an expansive and powerful kingdom of conquerors in the ancient past. The Sky Kings were all members of the Great House of Apollyon, the first of which was Harion I von Apollyon, who was said to have descended from the blood of the King of Crimson Skies, often called Asem, the First Man. When Saurus VIII von Apollyon grew bored and launched a war of conquest across the sea against the fairy folk, the kidnapped fey princess cursed him and his kingdom. The king's son, Saurus IX, appointed four great knights to defend his kingdom from any retribution from the fair folk. They were Lahire the Fierce, Lancelot the Cunning, Hector the Stalwart, and Ogier the Faithful, and they each ended up becoming twisted by the princess's curse. Based on the title, you of course know that Lancelot is involved with 4840, but SCP-2254 is actually Lahire the Fierce. 
2254 is invisible to the naked eye, roughly 13 meters in height, with distended arms and six legs. This all sounds pretty familiar, and to top it off, the image provided for Lahire is pretty close to 4840B, as well as the mention that the markings found on B are the same as those found on 2254. As for the fate of Hector and Ogier, we may never know. Autopapadopoulos was first discovered in 1933 by a British airman flying from London to Oslo over the North Sea. When reports of the sighting went public, the Foundation and the Royal Conservatory for Public Perception spread info claiming that the airman was drunk and hallucinating at altitude to cover it up. The Foundation then went in to investigate, sending a team by hot air balloon led by Captain Francis Pike. In his exploration journal, Pike describes looking out over the city like looking at Rome from a high hill. Upon closer inspection, though, its abandoned and decrepit state revealed itself. Upon landing, they were met by 4840A, who welcomed them to the city and introduced himself as the city's steward. As they toured the streets, Pike describes the construction as finer than any city he's ever seen in his life. They passed by the ruins of the Temple of Sunset, and Pike writes that he had a strange and uncanny feeling as he looks at the place. The group dines in the Great Hall, as the man expresses his appreciation for their visit. They briefly explain what the foundation is to him, but he says that he already knows, and had known for some time. He also says that there are old secrets kept in this city, that must be kept safe. Pike writes that speaking to the old man is like speaking to a friend you've known your whole life, a close companion whose company you've missed dearly. The group slept in large extravagant rooms, much larger than the room the old man sleeps in. The following section describes the large amount of imagery and iconography within the city, most of which is contained in the three temples. In the entryway to the main hall of the Temple of Sunrise, a mural shows two naked children standing at a tree line, seemingly nervously watching the horizon, with a wolf and bear standing behind them protectively. On the wall opposite the mural is a figure with a flaming sword, the Gate Guardian. In the main hall itself, there are three murals. On the far wall is a brilliant sunrise, with the city of Autopapadopoulos in the foreground. Standing in the front of the sunrise is a golden man and two others by his side, with a third set off from the rest. The man is holding a long rod with a silver point, wearing a shining crown. In the sky above them is a bronze dragon with green eyes and words on its side reading, They will know what is. The identity of these figures will become clear later on. The mural on the eastern wall depicts a meeting in the Great Hall, with the golden man standing at the foot of a throne, and two other figures standing on each side. The third figure from the other mural is absent. Before the golden man is a king in crimson robes, with a flaming crown extending a hand of friendship, the one and only Scarlet King. Beside the Scarlet King is a naked woman covered by a snake, a man made of metal, 
and a sorcerer in deep purple robes, alongside others. The woman is SCP-336, also known as Lilith, a figure from Jewish mythology said to be Adam's first wife, prior to Eve. The man made of metal is Robert Bumaro, the head of the Church of the Broken God, and the sorcerer is Dr. Wondertainment, or the figure that would come to be known as Dr. Wondertainment, at least. On the western wall, a mural shows the golden man sitting on his throne, with an iron crown hovering above his head. The crown is inlaid with words of an unknown language, and set with a shining white jewel. We'll be hearing plenty more about this crown later. Behind the golden man are several large figures, one made of gears and steel, one made of flesh and blood, one made of ice and stone, one made of stars, and another made of eyes. The one of gears and steel is, of course, Mekane, also known as the Broken God, and the one of flesh and blood is Yaldaboth, Mekane's counterpart and an important figure in Sarkic lore. The one made of ice and one made of stars are as yet unidentified, but the one made of eyes is meant to depict SCP-3125. I covered that one in my video on anti-memetics, but basically it's a massive entity that partially intersects with our reality and erases anyone that gains any knowledge of it from existence. It seems the people of Autopapadopolis were not only familiar with this entity, but also decided to put it on a mural. The last figure on this mural is a young woman, with long, brilliant white hair hanging in the air, pointing to the south. This is SCP-179, an entity located in our solar system that warns the foundation of any extraterrestrial threats approaching us from outer space. The final wall of the Temple of Sunrise contains no mural, but instead the words... For not the sea to swallow them, and the long dark approach. The entryway to the ruined Temple of Sunset contains detailed drawings of cities and towns in and around Autopapadopolis, as well as a map of the city itself. It seems at one point the city was surrounded by large walls, with small towns and villages next to these walls. To the east of the city was a river, with another town and farmlands, with the words, The Lands of Men, emblazoned on the side of the same bronze dragon from before, on top of the mural. An arrow points to the southeast, with the words, Lands of the Blood Kings and Necromancers, and another arrow points west, with words reading, The Far Strange West. Based on SCP-4812, we already know what existed in the West during this time, as the Conquerors went to war with the Fair Folk, who were also involved with the war with the Children of the Night, SCP-1000. The land of the Blood Kings and Necromancers refers to the Davites, a civilization ruled by anomalous individuals and steeped in blood sacrifice, slavery, and magic rituals. The interior of the Temple of Sunset is similar to the Temple of Sunrise, but much of the main hall has been destroyed by the fallen corpse of 4840B. There is a single mural remaining, showing the golden man with the iron crown sitting atop a white horse. Legions of men and women armed with weapons stand behind him, 
and on both sides of him are two figures, one holding a black sword, the other a green rod. The golden man is holding a long silver lance in his hand. Across from the man is a scene of storm clouds and lightning, growing more dramatic as it approaches a collection of small humanoid figures, light green in coloration, with brilliantly colored clothing. These would be the Fae, the people that Saurus VIII conquered and brutalized. The figures are each depicted with six eyes in two vertical columns, which interestingly also seems to be the same configuration as 4840B and Lahire the Fierce. Behind them is something large and mottled gray, but it's cut off by a collapsed wall. The Temple of Night is the smallest of the three, only containing a single level. Info from 4840A suggests that portions of this temple do run underground, possibly connecting with the structure beneath the Great Hall. The entryway of the temple contains depictions of barely visible entities concealed within a forest at night, covered in hair with bright yellow eyes. Their faces are noticeably human in appearance, and they each carry the same ornate wooden scepter with a bright red stone set in one end. These would be the Children of the Night, Bigfoot, SCP-1000, entities which humans eventually brought to the edge of extinction due to their intellectual capacity. The interior of the temple is a maze of small, interconnected rooms, the purpose of which is unknown. Many of them share the same depiction of a massive tree in the middle of a forest, which is actually SCP-2932, Titania's Prison, a place used by the Children of the Night to contain their enemies and anomalous threats, including the Fae and a powerful reality bender named Adam L. Assem. Other depictions in the temple include men and women being thrown into mass graves, children and animals being burned, men being placed into wooden coffins and buried alive, skeletons strapped to trees, and small green humanoids being raped and butchered by the larger, long-haired humanoids. These are clearly images related to the Children of the Night's wars against humans and the Fae, although why they are here in Autopapadopolis is a bit of a mystery. The central room of the temple contains a staircase descending downwards, although access to it is blocked due to rubble and fallen rock. Long stone sarcophagi line the walls of this central chamber, and individuals entering the room report feeling a sense of incredible unease, and describe hearing scratching sounds from within the sarcophagi. During an investigation in the temple, one team reported finding a room with a door marked with the Foundation's seal, which opened up into what appeared to be an abandoned Foundation site identified as Site 00 Zero, 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 zero. Later explorations have been unable to relocate this door. 4840A already said that he knew what the Foundation was, and truth be told, the Foundation has probably been around for quite a while in some form. It's just surprising that they would have a site in such a location. On several occasions, 4840A has mentioned that he is not the only person residing within Autopapadopoulos currently, and there is another individual in the Temple of Night. He has been reluctant to say anything else about who this person might be, and notably, 
he's never been seen entering the Temple of Night for any reason. Finally then we have the sealed chamber underneath the Grand Hall. The area 4840A refers to as the Old Library. The stone door leading to the chamber has two figures depicted on it. The one on the left composed of a single vertical shaft of ornately decorated gold and silver with a smooth white stone set in its center. The figure on the right is not a figure, but is instead an inset of the figure on the left. The left part of the door is made of white marble with bronze hinges and gold fixtures. The right part of the door is bound in rusted iron. Again, these contrary depictions will be explained soon. When the door is open, people in the antechamber claim to be able to hear someone speaking with their own voice from somewhere beyond the door. The implication is that the chamber beyond is some sort of void of reality, alien to our understanding, much like SCP-3930, the pattern screamer. 4840A describes the door as a passageway between this place and somewhere else, an old passageway with well-tread steps. He says that the light of the world has long since left the place on the other side, and mortal men can no longer walk it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now that we have all the imagery down, what we really need is a story to put it all together, and that's where 4840A comes in. A Foundation doctor named Ostrovich interviewed him in 1949, and after he gets over how impressive the tape recorder being used is, he says that the Foundation are seekers of knowledge that want the truth. They remind him of his brother, who was a scholar possibly the greatest scholar of his time, who could sit across the table from a person and gather everything he ever needed to know about them from a look. He says that the Foundation has a lingering feeling that they are at the center of something much larger than themselves, and that it's not their fault, as the early days were billions of years ago, and almost everyone from that time has since passed. He was there when the world was young, as they watched the Iron God put the flaming stars in the sky, and the God of Flesh loose the first red drips of blood splash against the earth to give it life, speaking of Mekain and Yaldabaoth. He mentions that he was a boy when the serpent and its dark brother set the foundations of what is and what is not, referring to the titular serpent of the serpent's hand, the entity responsible for the Wanderer's library, and its dark brother is apparently SCP-3000, Anantashesha. One stores knowledge, and the other destroys it, basically. He sets out to explain the beginning of all things, and how all things started here in Autopapadopolis, a place where all that is, was, and ever will be was realized. There were only a few of them at the beginning, 
in a world of infinite mystery. They studied and watched and learned for millions and millions of years, and afterwards they built the city, the first city. He says that in Autopapadopolis is where that which is came to be, and he explains that there were only ever two true gods, is and is not. He says that there are things that are and things that aren't, and when the work of is was completed, that remnant of that god became the serpent, an entity whose purpose is only to study that from whence it came and learn those lost truths about itself. The other entity, is not, was its shadow, and one cannot exist without the other. Is not is everything outside of is, and together they encompass true knowledge, everything that ever was or was not all at once. When the world came into being, there was order, and even though there were things roaming around that we now refer to as anomalies, they were confined to this world. Anomalies from alternate worlds and universes were kept apart and far away. A says that the Fae were the first to open their eyes upon the cosmos, because they were not born from this world normally, instead being created from the last glittering fragments of Is, making them more attuned to the will of creation. They kept to the woodlands and wrote the first music, and A could hear them singing from across the world. A and his brothers came after the Fae, the first men born into the world, cared for by the mothers of the world, the wolf, the bear, the sow, and the lion. As they grew, they gave themselves names and wandered the world, marveling at its mysteries and reveling in the life they had been given. A describes the experience as serenity. During the early days of Autopapadopoulos, it was populated by A and his brothers, the Scarlet King, the Serpent and Anantashesha, the Envoy from Saturn, the Dragons and Lords of the Sky, the God of Iron and God of Flesh, and many others. The greatest of these, however, was the first King of Men, called Asem. A describes him as golden and beautiful, powerful enough to build mountains, call the sea to bear, and look into worlds beyond. He also was said to carry a lance that could kill gods, which, if you recall from the Ouroboros cycle, would be the lance of the non-believer. They called him Asem because the word meant is, and they believed that he was the joy of creation given form. Unfortunately, within him grew the first vice, envy, as he looked to the skies and wished them to be his. He decided that he wanted to look past the cosmos and take something from another world, so he did. The thing that he took from another existence was a crown, and with it he declared himself the king of all that is, building his seat of power here in Autopapadopoulos. A says that he was still kind and beautiful at this point, but he was crippled by his desire to take whatever he wished from the cosmos. Inevitably, Assem was betrayed, first by his sons. His eldest son envied the crown, and demanded that his father pass it on to him, 
He ended up raising an army and savaging his father's lands, laying waste to the world of men. But ultimately, he was struck down by a Sem and locked in a stone tomb deep beneath the earth. The middle son also wanted the crown, but he spoke passionately to the people of that world, calling upon their sense and reason to demand that a Sem pass the crown to him. The kingdom agreed, bending their knee to him and worshipping him as their god, but Assem put a curse on him to poison both the land and his followers. The middle son was exiled, forced to wander the desolate places of the world until the sun went down in the east. Finally, the third and last son took a much simpler route, sneaking into his father's room while he slept and stealing the crown from his head. Despite its simplicity, this was the greatest betrayal, because Assem loved his third son more than anything. The son slipped away as Assem's kingdom fell to ruin, and Assem turned the world into a smoking waste, as a number of the people of Autopapadopolis followed the third son into the shadows. They fled into the night for a thousand years, hunted by Assem and his two other sons, who all desired nothing more than the crown. They had hidden the crown, though, kept away until it faded into myth. When A finally stepped back into the light of day, the world had changed and was no longer a smoking waste. The people who had fled alongside A had started families in this new world, and their kingdom became known as Old Europe, the first true kingdom of mortal men. A came into the realm of Harrion, a kindly man with a passion for knowledge and a desire to learn. His family were gentle and good people, and more and more families flocked to Harrion's lands. A spent many long hours speaking with Harrion about the times before the darkness and about the strange wonders he had seen across the world. This led A to take his father's crown that he had stolen and hid away and place it atop Harrion's head, calling him Apollyon, the king over the darkness. Apollyon went on to build great halls, great temples, and great libraries, and in time all of old Europe swore fealty to him as their high king. Eventually, he passed away, and his son Uvan became high king. At this point, A took his leave from old Europe and returned to Autopapadopoulos to rest for the first time in 10,000 years. When he awoke, the world had changed yet again, and the Davites had taken up arms against the kingdom of men. The house of Apollyon had become known as the Sky Kings, and were pillaging and conquering across the continent. In the west, the Fae were dealing with the children of the night, and these wars laid the foundation of the world to come. Eventually, the Sky King Zorus came to Autopapadopoulos, where A was hiding out, and demanded that he give him a Sem's lance. Even if A had wanted to, which he didn't, he couldn't give him the lance because it had been lost a long time ago. When Zorus was told this, he threatened to turn the city over in order to find it. In order to protect the city and the deep secrets that it holds, a called upon the last of the titans still on the earth, the great dragon Barata, 
and together they raised the city into the sky. Separated from the world of men, A watched for thousands of years as king after king came and went, each carrying on a bloody legacy while wearing the crown of Apollyon. He watched as the Deva hero Gilgamesh slayed Saurus II's only son in single combat on the fields of Jerusalem, and the dread sorcerer Noah El Meto raised the seas to wash away the lands of men until he was struck down by Maladrao the Wrathful. He watched Jore Apollyon sail across the sea to meet with the king of the children of the night, and then watched as she was buried alive to feed the heart of their horrible goddess tree. A watched as the world turned. Eventually, A watched as Saurus VIII crossed the sea to bring war to the Fae, and the aftermath as the Fae princess was buried and she summoned the three great profanities to curse the kingdom of Apollyon. A watched with sadness as the kingdom fell, and Saurus IX suffered his four betrayals as his knights became twisted by the dark magic, becoming monsters and beasts. Lahire went to the west, Ogier to the north, Hector to the south, and Lancelot went east, ending up in the city of Autopapadopolis. In time, the name of Lancelot fell into human legend, becoming a different figure entirely, but this twisted figure became known as Demon Lancelot. This is 4840B, of course, the entity that lies dead on top of the Temple of Sunset. Lancelot would have turned the entire city into ruin if not for the efforts of the last great heroes, the dragon Barata, the sea lord Arcturus, the hero Beowulf, and the deva king Relevine. The battle cost each of them their lives, so demon Lancelot must have been quite the foe, but with Barata's final gasp, he tore out Lancelot's heart. A was alone afterwards aside from his brothers who still roamed the earth in search of their father's crown. A supposes that his father is out there somewhere as well, if he's not rotting in the heart of the earth. The crown, of course, was lost when the profane dark swallowed up Saurus IX as part of the Fae Princess's retribution. The House of Apollyon ended in a night, and the Children of the Night came across the sea to pick at the corpse of the Kingdom of Old Europe. Time went on, of course, bringing us to the present. Ostrovich asks him more about the four knights, and A explains that they were each nobles sworn to the house of Apollyon. When the great profanities twisted their hearts, Saurus IX cursed them, and they took on strange and grotesque shapes, the shapes of old fey gods. For Lancelot, who was adept with a mace, his arms were transformed, and his mind became unable to do anything but rage and destroy. Ostrovich says that this all sounds pretty ridiculous, and A agrees, saying that he wouldn't trust her if she believed him without reservation. He has kept much of the old world hidden for many years, but as his life wanes, so does his ability to keep it hidden. He knows about Lahire moving in the west and also knows that Hector is preparing to emerge in the south. He says that Lancelot has laid here dead for many years, but still does not grow cold. 
He is also aware of the recent events from SCP-4812, with the profane adamant being seen in the skies, the entity that Lancelot prayed to for overwhelming strength. Things are in motion, and A needs the Foundation's help because he will not live forever. He needs their help in protecting the secrets that this city holds. Ostrovich then asks him what exactly these secrets are, and where they are. A says that they are kept in the old library, the place where is was realized and came to be. Assem built his seat of power directly on top of it, where the greatest authority of all authorities came to rest. Within the old library is the first book, although it's not actually a book. He speaks about the Wanderer's Library, a place where texts describe is and all that is, the greatest collection of knowledge in the entire cosmos. The first book, meanwhile, does not just describe is, it is, meaning that it holds the most fundamental truths of existence, those never intended to be understood by man or beast. A has tried to read the book to know these truths so that he could right the wrongs of this world, but he has failed. He also says that he nearly lost himself once in the other book, and in it he grew old. The other book, of course, is the first book's counterpart, the book of Is Not. This book contains the truths of things that cannot be, dark and old truths. His ability to protect the old library will eventually fail, and there are those who know what is here and will seek it out. This is all a little bit tricky to comprehend, and Ostrovich isn't sure she'll be able to believe it all, which A understands. He says to watch for the three great profanities that the Fey princess had summoned, the profane restrictor, the profane adamant, and the profane dark. They are the last remnants of a cursed people, a people who fled from the children of the sun and their iron swords, as well as the children of the night and their felled scythes. He tells the Foundation to remember what he has said when they see them, because they are from a time long before their history begins. Finally, Ostrovich asks him who he is, and A says that his name was Seth, brother to Cain and Abel son of Adam el Assem, the first king of men. Seth admits that he was just a boy when he looked into the night sky and asked his father for a star all his own, leading Assem to reach out and pull in an iron crown. That crown ended up driving Assem to madness, Cain and Abel to butchery, and the ruination of their kingdom. Without that crown, Saurus VIII might not have crossed the sea, and the descendants of Harrion may have been able to fight off the children of the night when they came to old Europe. Seth says that there is no more hateful a thing than that crown, the seed at the root of evil, and it was a gift for him. He says that he was once Seth, but now he has lost that name. SCP-4840 is certainly a little different than a lot of other SCP articles, much like SCP-4812 was. There are still plenty of questions left about this ancient history, some that may be answered in the future, and many that won't. This specific canon of 
fantastical history and connections is occasionally being referred to as the Cactusverse after its creator, DJ Cactus, and it likely will continue to be expanded upon. Seth is a rather tragic figure, considering himself responsible for much of the turmoil across the world, but his time will come to an end, so hopefully the Foundation can step up and take over his job to protect the old library. Things are clearly in motion in the dark, and it's likely that, at some point, events from the ancient past will cause some very real effects in the present. 